Gaudete in Domine Semper. That's about the only Latin I could, could work out of me. Gaudete, rejoice in the Lord always. Thank you very much. Uh, uh, that is the theme. It's clear today. It's in the first reading. It's in the responsorial psalm. It's in the second reading, that very line, and also in the verse before the gospel. And the whole, the whole feast day today of Gaudete Sunday, this third Sunday of Advent, is focused on what we, what we are supposed to be doing and how we are to do it. And the first part of the scriptures today just simply tell us that we should be people rejoicing. Now, uh, there is a famous line from Tehard de Chardin. He is the priest, uh, philosopher, and uh, scientist uh, from France. Uh, he was the originator, I believe, of the Big Bang Theory. And he is the one who uh, discovered or put into words uh, the idea that, that the way the universe began, God just simply exploded into the universe. This, there was this enormous Big Bang that still is expanding the universe. We have millions of galaxies. And this evolutionary process that was all within that creative moment have been going on for millions of years. And, and that is uh, his vision. And he had this line that he said. He says, joy is the infallible sign of the presence of the Lord. Joy is the infallible sign of the presence of the Lord. Where there's joy, the Lord is present. Now, joy, we have to distinguish, is not the same as happiness. Happiness is very superficial, very ephemeral. It, it comes and goes. Uh, when our last piece of chocolate is gone, our, our happiness is gone, you know. Uh, when we see somebody that we like, we're happy, and the next person that comes in is somebody we don't like, we lose our happiness. But joy is much deeper than that, and it dwells in the spirit. Joy is an awareness. It's a knowledge. We usually, I think, are not happy at a funeral, but we can be filled with joy even at a funeral. Joy isn't a happy feeling. It can be. But joy is an awareness and knowledge of of a truth that is so deep in us that it sustains us and it carries us even through times of grief and pain, sorrow. We are joy-filled at a funeral, especially when we reflect for that person who is deceased what they now are experiencing. We believe that they are with the Lord and there's a joy in that for them, even though we might not be uh, feeling any happiness because of the pain and grief that we're going through. I um, was exploring this and the internet. Oh, this internet is something else. And I um, came across something that uh, it's from a, a newspaper that comes out on Wednesdays. I think it still does. It was begun in 1965 by two men, Earl and Joseph. I don't remember the last names. I think it's in Louisiana. And it's an unpronounceable name, so I looked it up and asked the internet, how do you say it? And this little voice was there and it said, La Fauche. It's the La Fauche Gazette. And in this, he quotes Teilhard de, de, de Chardin's line about joy. And then he, and he distinguishes, you know, between happiness and joy. But then he goes on to say, um, there are, he names ten things. There's probably more, and some of them are very similar here. But here are ten things we must give up. 
We must give up to experience true joy. And I, I agree completely. These things block joy. And I, I mention them today because as we come close to the Feast of Christmas, we should be joy-filled. And we need to be joy-filled even before we get to that feast day. If, if our joy happens when we go over and look at the little um, kuna, the manger scene over there, please, the birth of Christ is not there. It happened 2,000 years ago. It's got to be in here. This is the crib. This is the crib. So how do we make sure that the obstacles, remember last week, the mountains would be cleared and the valleys would be filled up to make a highway to the Lord? How do we find that joy? So the first thing this author says is, Give up living in fear. A lot of people live in fear. Now, fear is a good thing. For example, he used the example, if you're walking down the street and you see a hungry bear running at you, you should be afraid. And if you are legitimately afraid, you might outrun the bear. You just might. You might get enough adrenaline to do it. Um, but you shouldn't keep living in fear after that. We've got to get rid of fear. It's not something we should live in constantly. Give up negative self-talk. Some are pros in this area, always putting themselves down. In fact, I think most people are harder on themselves than anybody else is on them. We've we got to give up negative self-talk. I can't, I shouldn't, I didn't, why did I do it, I'm no good. Give up living in the past. The psychologists all tell us the only thing you and I've got is now. We don't have yesterday. We have a memory of yesterday. Yesterday can teach us, but we shouldn't be trying to live in yesterday and forget about living in tomorrow. We might not even be around tomorrow. What we've got is now, and this is what we should live in and make the most of, explore it and love it and find it and, and discover the beauty that's in it. And there's a few that are similar Give up living other people's dreams or seeking their approval. Give up trying to impress others. Give up comparing ourselves with others. Those three are all similar. But, but if, if we are living for others, uh, for what we think others are thinking of us or what we want them to think for us, what a waste of energy. I'll tell you, at 71, I could, I could give a whatever, uh, what anybody thinks of me. I, it's, I, I'm just, I, I don't have time for it. You don't like me, you don't like me. It's your loss. That's the way I look at it. But we've got to give that up. Imagine the energy of always trying to please others and make them think that we're something, you know. Give up resistance to change. They say there's one thing that we can be sure of, it's always changing. Everyone's always changing. Uh, our bodies are slowly corrupting as we approach death. Uh, the molecular stuff going on in us, it's, it's changing all the time. We're, we're not the same as we were a minute ago. I'm not the same as I was when I just said that, uh, that we're not the same a minute ago. And I'm different now again. And it's so slight that we can't really notice it. But we're always changing. And and we've got to give up this, this, this fear of change or, or this worrying about changing. Change is always happening. Now, of course, the, you know, some of the biggest, in the church, some of the biggest um, fear of change or even anger that comes with change. If I were, for example, to have decided I don't want 
Our Lady of Guadalupe here because she might be blocking the altar for people or whatever, so I moved her back there. I guarantee you there'd be a little warfare here. You moved Our Lady of Guadalupe! How can you change that? Well, there's no rule that it should be here, but when people love something and it happens to be where they think it should be, and then the priest had the nerve to change it. Who does he think he is? Hmm. Give up complaining or making excuses. You know, one of the most beautiful things I think about the Sacrament of Reconciliation, Penance, Confession is we get a chance to own our sin. We get a chance to say, I did it. I was wrong. I was selfish. I was rude. I didn't care about somebody else. That's important to own our sin, not blame it on others, not always make excuses. I, I tell you, when I hear people's confessions and they go into this long story about why they were angry, I, I was like, who cares the reason? You were angry. Just, just say that. I, I was angry. I was rude. I was mean. Um, everybody's got a reason for what they do. It may not be a very good reason, but we've got them. Give up the complaining and making excuses. Now, all those are about giving up something, but the last one, number 10, this is what uh, he says. Never doubt, never doubt that God has a plan for each of us. God has made us different and has given us different talents and abilities. God wants us to use our talents and ability to make the world a better place to live in. We won't experience that deep joy, that deep joy, until we do what God wants us to do. Now, I like that, but I'm careful when I say something like that because people have all kinds of ideas like, God wanted me to get out of bed on this side today because he wanted me to experience this. I don't think that's true. But I think God put within us his beauty, his joy, in our unique gifts, and, and what God really wants, his will for us is that we use those gifts and talents and let them uh, mature into their fullest their most fruitful form that we can give from who we are. That's, that's true joy. Now, all these obstacles, if we don't get rid of them, uh, I really believe we will have less joy in our life. We won't, in some ways, even know that, that God is present to us or that we are present to God. And that joy that, that every day, many times a day, that we just have a deep sense of God's presence within us, that's what I think this feast day, this day, the third Sunday of Advent, Gaudete Sunday, is trying to give to us. So, in the gospel, it comes into a clearer picture. Because here is John the Baptist preparing uh, for the baptism of Jesus at the Jordan. And um, people are coming to him from everywhere. He's preaching a baptism of repentance. Get rid of sin, you know. Make that highway to God. Get rid of the mountains and fill up those valleys and gorges. Go straight to God. Clean this up. People were so impressed. The crowds came, and a whole bunch in the crowd were saying, what do we have to do to make this happen? What do we have to do? So John gets real practical. He says, if you have two cloaks, and you see someone who doesn't even have a cloak, give them one of yours. That's what you do to find this joy. And the same with food. If you see somebody hungry and you've got food, share your food. That's what you do. 
So then the tax collectors, these were considered the biggest sinners around, you know, the people gorging people and taking their money and, and taking extra money. They had the soldiers to back them up so they could do it and cheat people. What do we need to do? Because they wanted to be baptized too. What do we need to do? And he said, don't take more money than you should. Don't cheat people. Even the soldiers, now this is presumably the Romans and not even uh, Jews, you know, they wanted to be baptized by John. What do we need to do? So he tells them, don't extort people. Don't accuse people falsely. Don't be unjust. So he put into very practical terms that we, we can't just have a faith that's in the head or the heart and that's it. Oh, I feel God. We got to do something with our lives. We got to do things that make things better for ourselves and for others. That's what we got to do. So the people were so impressed and they were coming from every corner, all kinds of people to get this baptism and, and listening to John. And this idea begins to emerge. Maybe he's the Christ. Is this the one we've been waiting for? Look it, it must be. And he says, uh-uh, it ain't me. I'm not even worthy to untie his sandals. I baptize with water. He's going to baptize with fire and spirit. He's going to do something completely different. He was getting everybody ready. The final prophet to get people ready for the coming of the Lord. That they would be ready to meet the Lord. As I said, you know, uh, this is a season that's incredibly busy. It's, it's the busiest time of the year, I think. And um, it used to be that you didn't see a, any decoration until after Thanksgiving. Now it's before Thanksgiving. It's even before Halloween in some places. Some people never take the decorations down. They've got the Christmas lights up all year. And then we get into the parties and the food and the making of cookies and the special foods of our season and our culture and the buying of gifts and the wrapping of gifts and the putting up the tree. and uh, It's just a crazy time. And we get swept up into it so easily. And the whole reason for all of it anyway, even for those who don't believe in Christmas but believe in the happy holidays, they all get into the gift giving and gift receiving. That's not a problem. But in doing all that activity, what happens to the inside. What happens to the joy? Some people are miserable at Christmas because they're so busy and tired. But what happens to the inside? That's why the church makes this visual for us. Slow down. You got to take some time to zip it and be still. Listen. Ask ourselves, what are we doing all of this for? And what is this supposed to mean to us? Find the joy of the season. I assure you, I see it every year. There's a lot of excitement and joy for the child that walks down the aisle with the baby Jesus, puts the baby Jesus in the crib. I'll go incense the baby Jesus. We're all focused on the baby Jesus. And whole families will go over to the crib afterward. Oh, oh, oh. All excited about the baby Jesus. But that's not where you're going to find the baby Jesus. That's not where the Christ is. The Christ is in this crib got to be in this crib. And until the Christ is in this crib, in each one of us, I'm sorry, we're missing it. Because when the Christ is within us and the word of the Christ is within us and all of the actions, this Christ on the cross, loving and forgiving in the face of such hatred and rejection, when that Christ dwells within us, that is joy. It's infallible joy. And it dwells within. 
and it causes all kinds of things to be different in our lives. So as the church says on this pink Sunday, slow down, pause, get in touch with that joy, get in touch with that infallible presence of the Christ, of the God, of the Spirit within you.